is out, the temperature is slowly rising and there's more than just a hint of jasmine in the air, but strangely an epidemic of sorts is sweeping the country. Footy Funnels fever is affecting the hearts and minds of millions of people across Australia at the moment and as such, the citizens of the people's game are making some house calls during the pre-Funnels lull to check up on a few of their favourite footy friends. Now did you know that West Coast fans don't just live in Perth? This visit sees Casey and JB strolling down the latte-saturated lanes of Melbourne CBD to visit an eagle who's flown east to make his new nest. On this episode, we hear from Sam Butler. Yes, that Sam Butler. To talk about all things West Coast, winning and losing grand funnels, his journey to footy fandom and what he thinks of Melbourne's footy scene. Despite the fact that Casey is the only TPG citizen who's an Eagles fan, we all left our chat with Sam flying high. And we think you will as well. Hello, footy lovers. I've got no idea how I'm going to survive the next half hour. Today, Casey and I are joined by an Eagles premiership hero, the medium-sized Sam Butler. (laughs) I believe you're a defender, um, and I believe you're probably still medium-sized. How are you? I'm fantastically well. Medium-sized, I'm pretty happy with that. For a lot of my career, I was called injury-prone. (laughs) <laughs> the injury prone defender. Sometimes I get premiership defender, which I'm which I'm happy with. Medium size, that's kind of a new one. I'm happy with that too. That's great. I mean, I'd like to remember you as premiership player, Sam Butler, and forget about the injury prone because during my fandom, being a West Coast Eagles supporter over that time, I would always get very frustrated when you were the injury prone Sam Butler. Oh, yes. So, but um, I just want to go back to Jack's point about surviving this next half hour. I feel like you can just sit there and take this because the amount <laughs> of rubbish that I've had to put up with you and Gordon for the last couple of uh, years doing our podcast where I don't get a lot of West Coast Eagles representation, so... You can just sit there and just enjoy the glory of what it's like being around two West Coast Eagles. It's probably the medicine I've deserved for about (laughs) 10 weeks now. (laughs) The two West Coast people in Melbourne, me and you to Melbourne, in case you've obviously been here for a long time, we have to... We have to cop it. You know, you've got a good over here, Richmond supporter over here, so you can just cop it for the next half an hour. Yeah, 100%. Well, we'll get stuck into it because, I mean, I don't want to talk about Jack and his Richmond tendencies for too long. I want to That's just talk nothing to new. you, Sam, really. So, Jack, you can just sit there. Um, but let's start talking about, I guess, I want our listeners to learn a little bit more about you. I mean, they know you as a player and obviously a West Coast Eagles Premiership player. been at the club for a long time before you retired a couple of years ago and now you work for the club. But I want to learn about your fan story because I think your fan story is quite unique. And I, we were talking about this off air when we were planning for this podcast, Jack and I, and we were like, we could probably characterise your fan story in three stages almost. So we might do a bit of a deep dive. So okay. there might be your pre-draft story, your time at the West Coast Eagles, and now your time in Melbourne working for the club. Yep. So to go back to all those years growing up in Gawler, you started out playing soccer, is that right? Hello. Everyone's favourite Eagle Sam Butler here. As everyone at home would already know, I am the uh, best all-round sportsman at the club. And inspired by the World Cup, I'm here to give you a few tips and pointers and why I think soccer is a better game than football. I did. I played a lot of soccer in my junior years. Mm-hmm. Um, but as every kid in Australia, I was, I was a footy fan. Um, I wasn't diehard. I was an Adelaide Crows fan. Uh, but soccer was consumed my life in terms of sport. Um, watched as much as I could, which wasn't much on TV back then. Uh, and obviously played a lot. My first year of um, playing footy was in under-15s. Right. Um, and that wasn't so much because I felt like I loved the game. It was more just because my mates were playing. 
Yeah. Um, my best mate down the road, his dad was coaching the local team. Yeah. Um, at that stage, I was training, doing a bit of representative soccer. I was in state teams and other representative sides. So I was training almost every night for, for soccer. And he kind of said, look, don't worry about training. Just come out and play on a Saturday. Uh, and it kind of sounds like a big note of myself in terms of my progression from football. But it was kind of really, uh, you know, a quite innocent way to start. Mm. Um, so if you're a medium-sized footballer in AFL sense, what were you as a soccer player? Uh, I, was a, uh, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I played a bit. I played a bit of midfield. Just a dominating midfielder, you know, like goal scoring. Yeah, number yeah, ten. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. You remember Harry Kiel? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was nothing like him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I love soccer, so I was playing both for a couple of years. Um, but as I said, I was a footy. I was a footy fan. I was Adelaide Crows fan when they yeah. won their couple back to back, ninety seven, ninety eight. I was, um, you know. Rolling down the main street, Gawler tooting my horn with my parents oh. as much as everyone else was. So I, I'm an Adelaide boy. I grew up. Well, I'm not an Adelaide boy. I moved to Adelaide when I was young. So I used yep. to have quite a few people that I played against in hockey from Gawler. And okay. I've been to Gawler and it's a very different lifestyle to, I guess, the suburban, <laughs> trendy Melbourne lifestyle that you're now living. So how have you found that switch up? Uh, I've actually found Melbourne very user-friendly. I was a bit worried uh, being from being from Gawler, you know, country town when I grew up. Uh, Perth is the biggest country town in the world. They they call it. Uh, it's pretty easy going and easy to get around. But then the, coming over to the big smoke over here, I was a bit worried about transitioning to the black coffee, to the coffee and, uh, yeah. lifestyle, and people you know, with beards, you know, beard and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, have like eight jackets on at once. Uh, <laughs> I feel I like you're the only person who's turned up their nose when they're talking about Melbourne coffee. <laughs> Well, I've adapted. I must admit, I'm, I'm fully facing that culture now. For the listeners, he is sipping a what a double espresso. <laughs> correct, correct. It's my 18th of the day as well. Um, but no, I've, I've loved in terms of obviously footy's here. So yeah. Helps me. I'm still working for West Coast. Footy's here, and you just meet great people. Yeah. It's a great industry being. You meet yeah. great people. All the other clubs have been really welcoming of me, kind of coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, not you know the Cowboys from over west that are coming to steal our stuff. Um, yeah. It's kind of a new role over here and. All the clubs have been fantastic. There's always things going on. Um, and Melbourne itself as a city is... I always used to get annoyed when people from Melbourne used to say exactly that. There's so much going on there. I'm like, That's get your hand off. I'm like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> there's things happening in Perth as well. And now I'm here. It's true. And I'm saying it to other people. There's just, there's just heaps going yeah. on. So back in Adelaide, obviously you had Gawler and then that was back in the footy park days. So yep. your early footy memories, are they more country footy or are they more of like footy park and going out to West Lakes and... Well, I don't know if I look actually going to the footy when I was young. Maybe I went to a game. I can't remember ever yeah. going to footy. Yeah. Um. I had three older sisters who were all pretty sporty as well, and they played a bit of hockey and netball and all that kind of stuff. So our weekends were pretty, pretty busy out in Gawler. Um. So I can't remember ever. I went to footy park a few times. I was lucky enough to play there a few times, but I can't yeah. remember going out to games much. When I was okay. Young. No. So my footy life really consisted of probably about two years of. Heavy footy, and then being lucky enough to get drafted. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting because I guess you know you hear so many narratives of you know young boys and now young women sort of living and breathing footy to with that goal of getting drafted, and your narrative quite a bit different there. It changed a lot, and it changed a lot um, in the time uh, that I was at West Coast. So from myself with that kind of background, and there was lots of other kids like that, um, like me coming through at that stage. Kids that, you know, had never been in the gym before, didn't really know what they were doing fitness-wise. You know, they knew that they had to stay fit, but not, you know, the processes that kids nowadays coming through the pathway programs, 
they know exactly what it takes to be in AFL football on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. They're coming in and, you know, five years later, they're coming in knowing more than I knew at that stage. Yeah, you know, right. they're, they're fit, they get fitter every year. Mm. They get more professional every year coming into the into the system. So it's changed. in that 10-year period when I first came into the competition, it changed. I was listening, listening to the Fangirls episode with Matthew Richardson and he was picked up in the early sort of 93, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But So footy and he retired in 2008 and the amount the game changed in that 15-year oh, yeah. period was absolutely astronomical. It'd be crazy. Um, I remember the boys saying, so even when I started and John Worthfold started the year before me and he brought in kind of the next echelon of professionalism, I suppose. That's the kind yeah. of guy he was. Um, but, you know, some of the older guys, of Michael Bronze and Chad Fletcher, they were like, you know, a couple of years ago, we were going out on Wednesday night. You know, which is like unheard of nowadays. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of yeah. professionalism and commitment to the game. Um, but that changeover from the old footy culture, um, as Richo would have seen throughout that 10 years, would have been astronomical. Well, he was saying that there was a whole bunch of Richmond players that were still working at a pub in Richmond post game. Yeah, like, right. they were still pulling pints <laughs> in the 90s. Which yeah. is all what you think now with footy players are all striding around on Instagram making money from endorsements. It's crazy. Not, not actually getting on the tools and pulling. And it was like $3 beers as well. It's like so. It's just you can't even imagine. It's amazing, and every generation has got it better than the generation yeah. before. So obviously, those old guys when I first came to the club, I'm mm. like, how good have you got it? Um, you know, pay's pay's going up, and all that kind of stuff's going crazy. And now I look at the guys now, and we just got a brand new stadium over in Perth, mm-hmm. and we've moved into a brand new facility in Lathlane, and they're all Hollywood over there. And <laughs> the generation after that will probably have their own private plane that they're flying to Melbourne. <laughs> so it's just it's growing, and yeah. you know they're going to look back at. My years as dinosaurs in you know not too not too distant future. Well, I mean, looking back at those years, and I don't consider you guys dinosaurs because I think <laughs> the years that you started. Well, um, they're all out your age, aren't they? Um, low blow, Jodie. <laughs> 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 Moving on, um, you came into the club, I guess, at a time that was considered quite Hollywood for West Coast as well. That was like the peak time. So you debuted in two thousand four. Correct. You came into that really prominent time where we went into 2005, 2006 and West Coast were really blowing up at that uh, point, I guess. So can you talk us a little bit about what it was like going from just coming into, I guess, that football landscape as a junior player at Gawler, getting drafted and then going into something like that cultural experience? It was pretty crazy. Um, To be honest, when I look back, um, first of all, I didn't know I was going to get drafted. I assumed that I probably wasn't. Um, I hadn't talked to, I talked to two Adelaide teams and they both said that they probably weren't going to take me. Um, and that's, and I talked to West Coast and that was the only other teams I spoke to. Uh, so I was on schoolies when the draft happened. I wasn't even, <laughs> even going to listen to it. And then that's so great. Yeah. I got a call from John Worthold and then. And you're at schoolies? At schoolies. How many beers did you have? A lot. Were you at Victor Harbour Schoolies? Oh, unbelievable. Port Elliot Caravan Park? Yeah, absolutely. walk down there. Unbelievable. Yeah, crazy. So I was down there for a week. And then myself and Bo Waters from South Australia got drafted. So we had a great night that night down in Victor Harbour. And then two days later, we are on the plane, which I was shattered about because I was like, surely I can finish my week here. So two days later on the plane, and I didn't know too much about... I obviously knew about West Coast. Um, I was very happy to go to WA because I really didn't want to go to Victoria at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know too much about the players, the kind of egos mm-hmm. that I was getting myself involved with and, and oh. what they're all about. So, yeah. first of all, you learn very quickly. Uh, but second of all, it's obviously a bit naive and a bit impressionable. So, coming into a club like that, 
you just think assume it's a status quo and the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back at that time now, it was a bit we were cowboys and it was a bit Hollywood. Um, but obviously, when people reflect on that time, they think our culture was poor. Uh, but you know, and everyone says good cultures win premierships. So it kind of is funny because internally, they were great people. Mm-hmm. I played with fantastic teammates. Um, you know, Ben Cousins is kind of the person everyone thinks about in their minds when we talk about this period of West Coast history. Yeah. He was a fantastic teammate and a great captain. And his work ethic off, you know, in training and on the on the field, um, we should never forget about that side. So someone to learn mm. off from a football sense, it was a great time to come into West Coast. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it was cut short. And um, from my point of view, we should, probably should have had three or four more years of success based on our age demographic of our um, grand final years. Um, yeah. But in terms of pure football sense, and myself as a young midfielder at that stage, to learn off some of those guys, Kerr yeah. and Judd and Cousins. And- yeah. Cox throws it onto the left. One last roll of the dice for the start with 05 the Leo Barry game as it's kind of known so what do you remember about the feeling straight after the the game uh how deep do we want to go because it, like this game this game um probably changed definitely my football career and how I thought about football and yeah. definitely will probably the rest of my life to be honest yeah um I didn't play so I think round 16 was possibly my last game I think I got injured couldn't break back into the side um, Michael Braun got uh, hurt in the prelim and I got brought back in for the yeah. final okay, yeah, yeah. for a few weeks. Anyway, I had a stinker of a day and we lost. So you got brought back in for that game, having not Brought played. back in yeah. for that game. And obviously us losing by um, less than a goal. Uh, and my performance, um, I felt like I really let down the side. I, yeah. felt, I really felt at that time, I took it on my own shoulders and felt like I you know, let down the team and yeah. let down the state and our fans and this whole thing's crashing down on me. I was in, yeah. like, a real bad way for a few weeks. I mean, it yeah. really, really hurt. I thought about it constantly, consistently. Yeah. Um, which did a couple of things. Obviously, it motivated me to get back next year and be bigger and better. Um, but it also changed my kind of concept of who I wanted to be as a footballer. So before that time, I was a young midfielder. I was pretty confident um, in myself, in my own abilities. And I wanted to be the best midfielder at the club and then hopefully go out one day. And then it kind of changed my mind to, to think, well, I just never want to let down my teammates again. So I don't know whether, um, whether it did or not. Maybe my pathway was always this way, but, you know, I ended up becoming more of a negating type player and obviously then went to play defence later on in my career. And I think it was more down to my sole goal then from every training session, every game was just play my role and do the right thing for the team rather mm. than be the best. Mm offensive player or whatever I could be going from a selfish um, reason for playing AFL to a purely team reason for playing AFL. Good or bad, it definitely was a kind of divergent um, yeah. part of my career. Yeah, I don't know that gets like play your role, that gets kind of rolled out as the cliche. Yeah. Did, did you find that that transition was like reflected across the group after that game? Was it something that other people were feeling the same things as you? I don't, uh, it's a good 
Or was it not spoken about? Because obviously we've talked about the Collingwood documentary and how they dealt with their loss. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of what I'm kind of almost trying to get at is how much has it changed in the 13 years between 18 and 05? Uh, that concept of play a role, especially under Walsh's reign, was always pretty yeah. st- was pretty um, solidified. Yeah, I can't say whether that grand final changed the viewpoints of other people. I was pretty young and impressionable at that time, yeah. and, and maybe those older guys just looked down at the younger guys and said, "You should have done better." Yeah, we're good enough. <laughs> no, I mean, like you got yeah, to get yeah. better, and then we'll win. Yeah. Um, which fortunately we did the next year. But yeah. certainly, some cultural or, or team aspects have changed throughout that time. And talk about Collingwood, who I think have done are as good as anyone at the moment. Richmond, you know, we're doing it really well at the moment is realising that it's not just all about winning. Mm. You know, mm. um, it's about, you know, you saw our thing last year, friends, family, flags. Mm. It's pretty powerful to put two things that don't really have anything to do with football as your kitty kind of mm. words to, mm. to build your club mm. off. Yeah. You know, where it used to be commitment and determination and hard work or whatever catchphrases you wanted, now teams can see that to get the best out of people, they have to be well-rounded and good people first. So that's the biggest change I've seen in the last yeah. five years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, was that something that came off the back of 2015 and how the club sort of recovered through that grand final loss? I think it's been a slow process with Simo. Mm. Um, he's always been that way inclined to, to see the bigger picture and not just um, about premierships, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's taken a while for the Boys to change that, so it's always it's always fairly player driven. Um, what we want to kind of be and who we want, how we want to represent ourselves, and it's probably taken that six years or however long some of those been at the club to for the boys to actually realise you know we can let go of that a little bit, and we can see for ourselves the bigger picture, and and they kind of got it a little bit last year, I think. So, what was 06 like in contrast? Particularly after, I'm always, it's more, even almost more intriguing because you kind of, there's sort, of, there's sort of that mantra that you have to lose one to win one, which is yeah. crap. But yeah. when you go through that, surely the emotional high, surely it's slightly better. Crazy good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And obviously, looking back on the rivalry between us and Sydney, perfect way to go, you know, one each. Yeah. Kind of thing. But thank God we won the second one. That's all I can yeah. say, you know what I mean? Like, mm. to win that second one, obviously, immensely satisfying um, people talk about last year's grand final and last year's grand final was fantastic but it didn't have the added element of losing the year before so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still partial to 2006 in terms of entertainment and enjoyment um, but look it was, it was crazy good um, it was a completely different feeling so I remember distinctly so Wusha told me I was playing in 2005 and my feeling was you know, this is what we leave, uh, week leading up to the grand final. My feeling was obviously elation. I've made it. I hadn't played for a few weeks. I really wanted to play, obviously, and I felt I'm, I've done it. I'm, I'm there. I'm, on, I'm, you know, going out there. Whereas the year after, you know, I've been playing some good footy, and he goes, oh, you know, he brings everyone in as he does. I said, look, mate, you're playing. And, you know, didn't have any effect on me at all. I mean, I'm like, okay, well, I've got a job to do. And I feel like he was... He was saying it in a way that he thought I'd be excited because he knew that I'd, you know, been slow, you know, going mm-hmm. pretty hard to try and get back to this position to have another crack and redeem myself. Um, but I kind of didn't have any reactions like, mate, you happy? 
like, well, I didn't think I was like, well, not yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah. So I think that was yeah. more, that was just the, the feeling that year. And, um, you know, all credit to Sydney, we went into 2006 as good as we could. You know, and we, we lost them in the first final, but everyone was fit, everyone was playing well. Compared to the year before, we had five changes and this guy was holding on and that guy hadn't played for a few weeks and not, you know, was non-existent. Um, and then Sydney to play so well in that grand final was fantastic for the, for the rivalry. Um, but it was a completely different feeling. That whole year, um, I don't know, you can't recreate it, you can't bottle it and say this is how you should prepare for a season, but that whole year was, firstly, we were just supremely confident in each other and the way we play, and, and it showed, you know, we had a few comeback games that year and we always knew that we could kind of go when we needed to go. Um, but even from first day of pre-season, it was pretty special to be a part of. Mm, and it's funny though, because even you say that the scoreboard difference was only five points between the two. Yeah, it was, that's it was exactly. like it's that ridiculous. The margins are still that small, even though you feel like a lot more went right in Crazy. six. Crazy. They've got a brand new stadium, a big one, and they're going to put a big flag up there in a moment because the eagle has landed. They're the premiers in 2018. Moving on from that now to talk about, I guess, to talk about from the next women winning premiership in 2018, that changes dramatically for you because you're experiencing that from a whole different side of the club. Yeah. So after you retired, you took up a role to work for the club in business development, starting over in Perth, and now you've transitioned that role to be based in Coffee Mecca in Melbourne. <laughs> Correct. Yep. So can you talk us through what that's like from going from being so in a sanctum and experiencing team culture and everything that you've just explained to us about to then seeing that a little bit on the outside but while still being a little bit on the inside it was very weird yeah yeah it was it felt great in many respects and you said before you have to lose one to win ones well we lost in 2015 so i felt like i did the hard yards for these boys then <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying is we it was later on, really yeah. your success they wouldn't have won one without me that's what i'm saying <laughs> thanks sam <laughs> um but it was weird. So in terms of transition out of the game, which is very topical and, and obviously I've seen a lot of people go through it. The fantastic way to do it. I'm still working with the football club, still get to see all my friends, still be a part of something that I believe in and be around people that I love. Um, but in terms of that week, it was quite hard because the boys win, which I was supremely excited about. Um, in, no, in no point did I ever feel like I should have been out there or I've missed out or anything like that. Um, I think based on the year before, I, I knew it was time. It wasn't the fact that I thought I had three more years left in me and the club kind of let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong, mentally I would have loved to keep playing, but I probably knew it was, it was my time and I was very content with that and I thought I'd probably got the best out of myself. Um, so that year and the boys winning, I never felt jealous. Je- oh, I felt jealous. Definitely felt <laughs> jealous, sorry. I definitely felt jealous, but I didn't feel like I should have been out there or right. no negativity. I was so excited for the boys to win. Uh, but then after the game, you know, I wanted to celebrate like a, it was me kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but then I did, you know, you go back to work Monday day and kind of life just keeps going on and mm-hmm. I hadn't experienced that before. Um, the environment, although still within the football club, is a completely different environment. Mm-hmm. Culture can change even between between departments in a company rather than the whole company, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, it's been an adjustment. Um, some parts have been harder than others. Some parts I expected I was going to struggle with. Some parts I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, some parts I thought I was going to miss, I don't miss at all. And then other parts I do. So yeah. um, it, 
I think all players have some kind of struggle with it. But the simple fact is it's very hard to complain about. Even now I feel bad saying <laughs> it because, look, yeah. I get to live out my dream for 14 years. Yeah. I've got to experience such great things that I'm so um, proud about and um, you know, blessed to have done to now complain about not having it seems, mm. seems ludicrous. Yeah. But nevertheless, it was it was some tough times. So you kind of have this ex-player. It's almost like if you could have indexed AFL players, I'm almost thinking they'd be like a typology. So there's some that like go into the media and they'll watch every game and they'll end up like they're Brad Johnson on Fox footy or some who just can't let go. So what have you kind of, what's your kind of a persona now as an ex-player? Because Casey's (laughs) telling me that like even on the back chat podcast, like you don't watch all the games. You kind of not, it's almost like you're at arm's length a little bit. Yeah. I must admit, I don't watch a lot of footy, and it probably it's not because I've finished. I just never have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when I first started playing, I got in trouble a fair bit. Peter Summers used to hate it. Tell me, I'll be on the bench and get the phone. He goes, "Mate, get on whoever Smith," and I he'd see me run out and ask the first player who Smith is or whatever, and then <laughs> run to them. He's like, "Mate, you didn't know who it was." I was like, "Yeah, I knew who he was." So, mate, you got to start watching footy. So, <laughs> I never watched a lot. I don't really know why. I enjoy it. Um, yeah. It's a great, you know, if there's a good game on, then I'll still watch it. But I've just never watched a lot. Yeah, yeah and not, yeah. All play, not all players are footy heads. Like, I think Willie Rioli really only said he's only watches Daniel and Daniel only watches Willie, like, yeah. when they've done their footy record profiles and stuff. So, mm-hmm. it's not not everyone's in there all the time. I wish I did. I'll say that. I wish I did. Now that I watch... And especially, I think one detraction that you have from Perth, and we love complaining about being so far away. Um, <laughs> we know the flights and all that kind of stuff, how good people like Richmond uh, have got it over here. Playing 10 games well, we have to travel game. for our first final. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Would you believe it? What's that first time in 15 weeks? Uh, seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing is, you don't get to watch a lot of live footy. So either you're playing, or and Freo's playing away, or Freo's playing at home, you're playing away. Yeah. So now watching games... You pick up a lot. So I do wish, actually, you know, I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but I do wish I watched a bit more footy because now I'm going to go watch West Coast versus Hawthorne or you know, Richmond Collingwood at the MCG. You pick up so much from watching it live. So do you think you would have been a better player? This is a weird question, but if you'd watched more? I don't know. But or would I you feel just, like I would have yeah. known more, for yeah. sure. I think I would have yeah. picked up tips or ways to... Possibly it would have been a better player. Yeah, yeah, it feels weird to say that, but... Yeah. yeah, but I guess you also came in at an era where it was probably less analytical at the start of your career For than sure, the end yeah. in terms of the, the reviews. Where it, So now I imagine that... It, I kind of find it hard to imagine a situation where when the way they manipulate matchups, you wouldn't know who Smith is. Now, Smith could be a number of people. But, <laughs> but and, you know, I think that's probably changed a little bit even over your career. Oh, heaps. Yeah, that, that side of footy has changed. Um, crazy. Um, and there's... A lot comes down to Hawthorne, Alistair Clarkson, the way he did it, and mm. everyone kind of follows suit, and then it's just exploded into, you know, what it is today, and then the Weagles Web, or whatever they're calling it, back in the day. Mm. So, the, boy, the boys on the couch give everything a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clarko's <laughs> Cluster, Weagles Web, whatever. Yeah, correct. But it's, it's purely based, comes down to that team defense rather than individual matchups, which, you know, obviously we used to play a lot under Woosher um, back in the day. So, based on that, and coming from it from a football point of view, how would you characterise your fan connection with the club now? Like, do you identify yourself as a West Coast Eagles fan or just someone who's involved with the club? I'm certainly a fan. Yeah. Yeah. I still get nervous watching the Got Boys. I yeah. obviously want them to win. 
desperately yeah. when I watch. <laughs> and I'll be watching all finals. Don't worry about that. Um, but it's cool to be fair. Yeah. Like, I like... I love game day. Like, that's the one thing I really miss about football. Mm-hmm. And not just on the field, but pre-game, nerves and all that kind of stuff. But I enjoy just going to the game purely for the enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, being yeah. a fan feels cool. Yeah, feels I'm really cool. pleased that you said that. Yeah, <laughs> and I like, and I, and I have a, I feel like I have a big connection with that fans, even if they don't feel like they have it with me. Like, um, my proudest part of being at West Coast, I think, um, or I often think, is um, the amount of work we do in the community. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's the biggest in the AFL, um, and I think probably because we have the biggest responsibility in the AFL. We have a lot of we have a lot of fans in we have a lot of fans in WA. We've got mm-hmm. a lot of reach in WA. Yeah, a lot of rural communities that we get out to and and um, interact with. Yeah, which I've been a part of for a long time. Yeah, so I feel a great connection with them. I feel like it's the biggest um, honour that West Coast did me is not to be Sam Butler is mm-hmm. to be to wear that West Coast polo and. Didn't really matter who I was, as long as I had the polo and I'm going out to those communities or going into that uh, hospital or school. Yeah. It generally faces light up anyway. Yeah. It could be a staff member or anyone, but West Coast allowed me to represent them and do that and experience yeah. those great moments um, purely because of the brand they've built and the players have come before me and the great club that we are. So um, I feel the great connection with West <laughs> What's the fan culture for West Coast Eagles fans based here that you've come to experience? I feel like we're passionate in WA. Yeah. I don't. I, this is going to be WA, this podcast. I feel like Melbourne fans are. Unfortunately, I think it's international. I but like I don't know if anyone's listening further afield than WA. Intergalactic. Uh, I feel like our fans here are just as I'll say. But internally, without saying it, I'm thinking even more. Because they've gone through some tough times. Like these, some of these guys have been here for 30 years. West Coast fans, expect WA guys, or the the rare uh, born in Victorian <laughs> West Coast fans, who are, who are just great people. who just seem very intelligent. Um, <laughs> they've gone through some hard times, and they've had to battle through. They're not the uh, they're not part of the in crowd like they are in Perth. So these guys are the diehards. It's been awesome getting to know some of them over here, and we've got a lot of them. Yeah, I was surprised, at, yeah, surprised at the Richmond game how many West Coast supporters there were. I was a bit like, come on, what, like, why are they here? Like, who invited them? <laughs> but at the same time, like, it was interesting because I, we obviously we play you so scarcely yeah. that I was genuinely a little bit like, oh, actually, this is not as one sided. Because I went to a lot of footy in Adelaide and at Adelaide Oval, yeah. which is much like Optus Stadium or um, Subiaco, where it is literally just one fan base. And Correct. it's a horrible fan experience for the opposition. <laughs> and you don't you don't get that as much, I don't think, as West Coast fans in Melbourne. You don't get it nowadays. Mm. Yeah, maybe the, maybe back, 10 back years the, ago. Yeah, back in the day, you'd be you know, 10 West Coast fans being booed at by you know, 60,000 Richmond we fans. We don't boo. Well, Collingwood fans. 60,000 <laughs> Collingwood fans, yeah. Those guys. Um, but now you're always going to get a bit of cheer. When we yeah. hit golf, so it must be a good feeling, I'd say, as, as a West Coast fan nowadays, feeling like you've got a bit of a tribe over here and we've got our mojo going. Definitely. I mean, that's what I've experienced, particularly in the last decade. Like, I still have memories of particularly one experience where I went to the MCG to watch 
uh, a Collingwood game and we'd lost and I was sat in a bay. I was the only West Coast supporter. I think I was about 11 and I remember walking out and everyone wasn't mean to me because I was so young, but they were just like patting me on the head. They were just like, just stick with them. It's okay, little one. Yeah, and just right. like rubbing me, like just like, mm. I was like, oh my God, why did I choose this team? This is horrific. Yeah, um, I know. But like, because it sounds like they were trying to be nice, but they weren't. No, they're being condescending. They're yeah, being condescending. I'm not sure. See, I feel they like... They never saw 2018 coming, did oh. they? I feel like the, the football fans that aren't well-wishing are generally the... I feel like they're more the odd ones out, though. Like, I do yeah. feel like you don't often get someone that is a genuine asshole. Nowadays, it's awesome. Yeah. Nowadays, it's yeah. awesome. We had a great, I had a great experience at our grand final last year. And as, Collingwood, as passionate as you get, Collingwood supporter across the um, steps from me mm-hmm. and there's a bit of banter from our side to their mm. side like all in, all in jest but yeah, yeah, yeah. some good banter going solid mm-hmm. um, and not to the point where it's going to go over the top but it was like kind of getting up towards the line yeah. but as soon as the song went we went up he was the first one over hug well done, high yeah. five you guys deserved it I was like this is this is all would that have happened 20 years ago I don't know uh, probably not, not in the old often. not in the old VFL days no. it's a lot less I think everyone now when you take away the suburban grounds is you grow up in that environment of sitting with everyone yeah. so you know that if you're at the MCG you're going to have a Collingwood supporter here and you're supporting Richmond and if yeah, you're going to just yeah. be assholes to each other it's not going to be a very pleasant day for anyone mm. and you, when you do get that person that is that person now I feel like they just stand out like a sore thumb yeah. and even yeah, their own supporters so. kind of pipe them down yeah like that guy clapping Dom Sheed after the goal. I was thinking oh, about that. Gave him the thumbs yeah. up, the Collingwood support. Oh, it was yeah. right behind That's him. That's so good. But at the same time. I should get a statue of yeah. the MCG in that, in that seat <laughs> doing the thumbs up. I reckon that's one of the greatest images I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Well, we were saying this when we went to the, the Richmond. There are some things that are just so good that they kind of transcend what you're supporting. Like that yeah. goal with two minutes left in the grand final. You have to be pretty kind of soulless or not really see the game to kind of hate that. In, yeah. in a pure just like, how has he kicked that? Like, that's unreal. No one kicks drop punts from there anymore and he's no. just absolutely nutted one. Yeah. Like, so the pure... Yeah. Perfect. It's just... And, but it's I'm funny because... Like, what is he doing? Well, now I'm <laughs> sounding like an eagle fan, but it was never missing. No, like, it was never missing. Yeah. Straight off the boot, it was just like, this is bang, done. End Amazing. of. Yeah. Amazing. If he kicks the goal, I think West Coast can win the grand final. Two minutes and just under. Massive. Sheed from the boundary. That just brought back to me my memory of being at the ground um, when the Cyrus out of the 2018 grand final. Because I remember who I was standing with. There was actually Ella who worked sometimes for the oh, yeah. Eagles. So I just remember having that moment stood with her. And because... Like what you were saying before, Jack, about sort of the commingling of members now. Like I'm an AFL member, so in the AFL reserve, yeah, that's and so what you sort of yeah, come to. Yeah, getting used to it. Yeah, yeah, and I still remember having that just instant thought of because we it was predominantly Collingwood supporters because they have the highest number of AFL club support members in that mm. membership base. But Ella and I were stood in the middle of the row. We jumped up, we hugged each other, and we just had this moment of like blind panic where we realized how many Collingwood supporters were around <laughs> us. And we just thought, yeah. oh my God, we are going to get yelled at. Like they're going to throw things at us. But it was that moment of they all just put their head in their hands, they let it sort of sit there, 
And then they kind of were like, they looked at us and gave us a little clap or they oh, were right. sort of happy for us, yeah. but not too happy. I, I, I do think people have an appreciation for how good it is to, to be the fan when your mm. team wins. Because yeah. it's like it's that you are this per- – there is jealousy and there's envy, but there's also just genuine like you are actually happy for people in a lot of ways. Whereas I feel like if we lost to Collingwood in a home and away game, I'd be far more likely to not cop it well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I know that it's – Maybe it's because it's less important. You just, yeah. yeah no, I don't know. this is making me think about a lot of things because I know also in previous podcasts that we've done, Sam, um, the last couple of weeks with West Coast losing, I've also not been so benevolent in my way of thinking these things. Might, through, be, under, so. might be an understatement. But anyway. <laughs> but fans so, are smart um, enough to appreciate effort nowadays as well, I reckon. Yeah. So those kind of fans have just gone, our boys just gave everything. And we lost. Absolutely. And you West Coast so is going the other way. You were West Coast last week, might have finished the game going, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. That wasn't their best game. Like they've mm. missed a big opportunity there. That wasn't. They were, why didn't they play their best footy in this game? Yeah. Or if Collingwood, you know, have gone and yeah. same with Sydney when we played, we go. You know what? We played as, be- as best as we could and we lost. Yeah. We'll cop it. And, two- and that's why 2015 was quite hard for for me and some of the senior players at that time because we just didn't play best. Like we we were horrible. Like yeah. If we lost yeah. against Hawthorne playing our absolute best footy, we had a lot easier to take. Yeah. And also like the 18 was a truly like great grand final and I think in those games that you'll kind of look back on in 25 years you'll kind of remember both teams yeah. like 06 and yeah, 05 100%. they fall yeah. in in the sense that it's the loser point. had a really significant part yeah. and I think that's how that grand final I've watched that grand final five or six times as a neutral just because of how good it was as a game yeah. of football and I think that's where that appreciation also just comes from that was so good because of both yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. So finals is a, a great time to be. Obviously, you've done it a number of times. Last year, does it have a different feeling in the air when you're walking on a Monday, week one of finals, compared to round six? Um, that's a good question. I, a little bit, yeah. I suppose there's more of you guys here, um, and the players get the sense of the occasion, no doubt. You know, the, I think it's a sellout. Um, we, we're used to playing in front of big crowds, big home crowds, so we can't wait for that. Uh, the fact it's do or die, and yeah, our players have been here before and know the feeling, so I think they're looking forward to it for sure. Just going to divert us back to this week. The Eagles play Thursday. Yep. So what's the week starting the finals campaign look like internally? Like what are the players going through today? What are their feelings, particularly backing up on last year? Uh, it's it's going to be a quick week, yeah, because yeah. you, you feel like it's by, but we're playing Thursday night. So the yeah. boys basically doing their main training session today on a Monday. So... I'm assuming, I actually don't know, but I'm assuming the club probably tried to give them at least one of the days over the weekend off. So they mm. would have felt like it was kind of a weekend, then all of a sudden you're preparing like, you know, the game's just around the corner. Um, nor They'll try and keep it as general as possible. So um, generally during a normal week, that Monday, Tuesday will be more review. Then from Wednesday on, you're looking forward to the team ahead. So they'll start looking at the team today. And not trying to overanalyze it all last yeah, week. Well, they've probably already finished that ahead. review because of the buy, which yeah, is a so bit the of a curveball. Yeah, the review's yeah. nice and well done. They probably try to have that bit of a break, but instead of you know starting the you know looking forward to Essendon last week mm. and the boys overthink it too early, mm. try and now pick up like it was a normal week from here. So um, you know we're lucky enough to have a couple of buys with finals last yeah. year, and they're pretty well versed with it. So, but um, is it a normal week? So that's kind of it's everyone will say, oh, it's just another week. Does it ever actually feel like it's just another week? Like, can you uh, really not. create that? <laughs> no, everyone yeah. knows it's, it's cutthroat. Yeah. Um, internally, you try and 
create it as much as you can. Yeah. So, for example, last year, and this is a great thing that the, that the um, players did, normally when finals happen, they put up streamers at the club, there'll be like banners, there'll be like players' likenesses on the wall, it's like this is finals time. The club's doing it to try and make it feel like, all right, this is the time, extra motivation, They're yeah. trying, everyone's trying to do everything they can to you know, get the boys up. And before last year's finals, the boys, as a playing group, said, look, we don't want that. We just want to keep it as low-key as possible. Yeah. We want to just go through our process. We don't want to have all the hoopla around it. Um, so they'll try to be recreating a normal week. I know that's very hard to do, but yeah. they're trying to do that. But that it's about finding comfort, I guess, in the routine, isn't it? And not yeah. all, and the people speak, talk about how hard that is in grand final week. And yeah. More so because you've got meetings and interviews and press conferences, but... I guess in this week you do have more ability to control stuff like the streamers at home for sure. Yeah, at home for sure. Grand final very hard. They, we learned a lot from 2015 how to do it. Small things that we can do better. Um, I think that that well, definitely helped. Yeah, talking to the players afterwards, it definitely helped. But at home you can control a lot of them. I want to ask a little bit about I guess selection and the list because from a fan's perspective. I know last year we had such a strong list and this year that we've had so many debutants that have been amazing and then also our waffle team's doing quite well. They just won their elimination final on the weekend too. Do you think selection for a game like this is going to be a lot more difficult this year in terms of how much talent we have? Uh, I think there's always, no matter what year, there's going to be people that are unlucky. Yeah. Um, Certainly we've got some hard, hard calls purely because we're everyone's fit. Nick's, yeah. Nick's back available. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't had him pretty much all year and mm-hmm. boys has been doing really well when he's absent. So he's back. You know, we've got a big backlog of tall backs at the moment. You know, one of my favourites, Will Schofield, hasn't mm-hmm. been playing the last couple of weeks. But, you know, I'd be hard-pressed to leave him out based yeah. on his finals series last year. Uh, so there's going to be massive headaches, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone wants those headaches, don't they? Yeah. And when you've got such a strong waffle program like Richmond, and it's the same at West Coast really, I think, as the two eminent clubs of the last two years, there's just like you just look at the names that are missing out and you just go, How he's how's he not, mm. you know, a best twenty two walk up star? You go to any other club he would be, and that I guess is the sign of a strong club, but there's some interesting conversations that have to have to go down. Yeah. Well it's true, like we we always say it and we're not the only ones that squads win premierships. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't be in the position that we are now without a deep squad through the different injuries mm. we had last year, especially, um, but this year as well. So yeah, and someone that means if everyone becomes fit at the end, then someone's going to miss out. Yeah, mm. it is the ideal scenario, but it shows in like Richmond and Collingwood and West Coast have had injuries throughout the last couple of years and been able to cover them more so than any other team. And it's why when everyone is fit, mm. they go generally so well mm. because it's just yeah. But it must be an absolute nightmare. I guess we'll, we've asked everyone this question as we kind of finish these little pods. And I'm interested in your answer because you won it last year. So would you be gutted if they don't win? Can the season now for you be a success if West Coast don't win? And I find it really interesting. Being a Richmond supporter, last year felt like a huge failure because when you've won it, anything other than that is then (laughs) not as good. Yeah. So what's your kind of perspective on this year for, for West Coast? Oh, that's such a good question. Such a good question, and not to be, not to downplay the football side, but it depends what you, um, what you're judging as success. You can't yeah. ju- you can't judge a year's success based on a premiership because otherwise, you're going to be a failure. Well, you're seventeen clubs are failures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're all you're all failures, but a lot of those clubs have done a lot of good things. 
So as a whole, for most things, we've done amazing things this year yeah. as a football club. But purely from football stance, I think it would be an opportunity missed. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I think probably all year I thought it's gone perfectly script. Until the Hawthorne game? Except yeah. the Hawthorne game. Yeah. Um, Sorry, perfect. Case, I got in very quickly there. Just to, <laughs> when, did, when did it go off script? Tell me again. Tell me yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for the last couple of games of the year, it went slightly off script. Um, but up to then, I was, I've been supremely confident. We just made it a bit harder for ourselves. Yeah. But I said this analogy to someone this morning, and it's really bad, so I'm going to say it again on the podcast so when everyone's listening. <laughs> if you get dropped in a helicopter at the top of Everest, all you're doing is just getting a good view. But if you walk from the bottom, you've achieved something great. So we're starting, we're going to start from the bottom. We're not even starting from base camp. If we won last week, we were starting from base camp. We felt pretty good. But we're going to start from the bottom, and it's going to be a beautiful thing when we win it this year. I see. I'm. It's beautiful. I keep telling Case. Case is very. Oh, we finished fifth. We didn't make the four. It makes it so much harder. And I still think the path is pretty clear for West Coast mm-hmm. because if you win that first week, which you yeah, should, you <laughs> um, I have a very close uh, person in my life who's an Essendon supporter, and she thinks they're cooked. Yeah. So, so then you get through. You play Collingwood or Geelong, <clears throat> and your Melbourne record's now quite good. So I do think, and I've been trying to sell you into this, the path is still very clear mm. for West Coast. I just can't get too ahead of myself. Just can't think that far ahead, Jack. <laughs> well, the other litmus test we have, and I always think about this with Richmond because they were terrible for so long. So if you just win more games than you lose across the year, you lose, leave the footy more days happy mm. than you did sad. Mm. So I've always thought of that as a win. That's kind of a win in some way, but I don't know if that converts because as a player, I'm sure you don't think like that. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) You haven't obviously uh, made finals 25 out of 30 years or whatever we have. (laughs) We don't don't think like that, mate. We've also (laughs) been around a while longer. It's going to be on the podcast every week from now on. (laughs) Absolutely. Sub, late sub. (laughs) All right, well, we might um, finish there. So best of luck. For all that you're doing in September with the Eagles, I hope you're enjoying the black coffee in Melbourne. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure to to have a chat. Thanks, guys. I'll see you in the prelude.